You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Sin is sneaky and has a way of compounding itself. Before you realize it, you're deeper and deeper and deeper involved than you ever thought it was possible. You're there. And that's why when temptation comes calling, we must be vigilant. We must be diligent. Once we allow sin to take hold of us, we've lost control. Once sin takes hold of us, we once again become a slave to sin. And we do whatever is called to do. Whatever sin tells us to do, that we do. Sin can capture you. The idea that any sin is small and harmless is a lie from our enemy. As Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, this truth is made clearly evident in the life of King David. Sin only leads to more sin unless it's confessed in humility and turned away from through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11 as he continues his message, Oh, How the Might Have Fallen. Solomon would write in Proverbs, He who seeks to cover his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sin, he shall be forgiven. David sought to cover his sin first by sending for Uriah, that was fighting, who was fighting with Joab. Let's read 6 through 8. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how people were doing and how the war was prospering. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. So he brings Bathsheba's husband back from the front line. He brings her back from the he brings them back from the front line. His goal is to get him to go down and have relations with his wife so that they can blame the pregnancy on him. That's his goal. That's his plan. It's a plan of deception. So look at the sins that are starting to mount up for David. Look at the sins that are starting to mount up for him. He's really into it now. And this is what happens. And I think some of us get caught up with sin and we go, well, we're in it this far. We might as well just jump into it head first. Well, David not only jumped into it head first, he's all the way down. He's under it. If he could get Uriah to sleep with his wife, their pregnancy instead of his. So he orders Uriah to come home. And then he orders him to go to the house. Let's read verses 9 through 13. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. This is a noble man. Uriah is a noble man. We'll talk about that in a minute. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Listen to Uriah's remark. And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of the Lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will do nothing. This I will not do this thing. 
And David said to Uriah, wait here today also and tomorrow, and I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem the day and the next. I think I'm supposed to read 13 too. Now, when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he, that's David, made him drunk. At, at the evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. Uriah is one noble man. Uriah is a noble man. His plans doesn't work. He expects Uriah, you know, to be kind of wanting his wife. You know, they've been away for a long time. They've been out on the battlefield, you know. He's thinking that Uriah wants to come home and, you know, I want to be with my wife. And that would be a natural thing. That would be a natural thing because they were married after all. But he doesn't want to do this while his countrymen are suffering in war. I love that about Uriah. I think he's really noble. I really like this. He says, I'm not going to go down to my house. My house, my friends, my men, Joab, they're living in tents. They're out on the battlefield. They're out in the elements. Who knows what they have to eat? I'm not going to go down there and dishonor them. So David says, okay, let's have a drink. Boy, David's really stooping here now. I don't know, guys. David's really down. He's wallowing in it now. He said, fine, well, let's have a drink then. Thinking that if he gets him drunk enough, he'll then go down to his wife. But that plan doesn't work. And when I read this, I went, oh, the, the lengths we go to cover our sin. The lengths we go. David was trying everything. David was trying to do everything he could to get this guy to go with, be with his wife so that he could cover up this pregnancy. So David says, okay. And then he really starts to deceive. Then he really gets bitter. He really starts to think, and you know what? He's in the sin up to his neck. He's in the sin up to his neck, but his next plot, I think it just kind of, bloop, he goes under. I think this next plot of his just goes under. The plan he then had included murder. David had to remove Uriah so he could marry Bathsheba. The sooner he got rid of Uriah, the sooner he could marry Bathsheba and the baby that she already was carrying would be born to them both, and people wouldn't know the worse. It's funny how people will always know. How people always know. They, I remember back in the day when people would get married and then a baby would come. I, I used to see my parents and my, they start counting the months, you know, counting the time, you know. It's like, hey, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Oh, yo, Dave. He wanted, he wanted Joab to put David in the front line. And then when they got into the battle, he wanted everybody to retreat so that Uriah would be left out there all alone. This honorable man this man who had honor and exemplified what honor was all about, he was going to be out there all by himself. And this would ensure the death of Uriah. This would ensure the death of Uriah. So we see David taking God's commandments one by one. I mean, let's list them. He coveted his neighbor's wife. He committed adultery with her. He bore false witness against his neighbor. And he ordered the death of someone. So he committed murder. There's five right there. There's only 10 commandments and he broke five. 
David thought he was deceiving everybody. But in reality, he was only deceiving himself. Instead of escaping guilt, he was adding more and more and more guilt on his head. See, that's the problem. When we see the sin before us and we go, oh, well, what's the use? No, no, that's the time to stop. That's the time to regroup. That's the time to repent and turn and go back to God. Repent and turn and go back to God. That's the time. Don't go into it any further. Don't go in any further, further thinking that you, you, you've gone this far. You're not going to escape God's judgment. It's going to happen. And the plan that David has succeeds. Let's read from 16 down to 27a. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath arises, and he says to you, Why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot at the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jehoboshaph? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall, so he died in Thesbez? Why did you go to the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent by him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field, and they drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The anchor shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it, so encourage him. So when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Oh, David, what have you done? Oh, David, what have you done? a man after God's own heart. You are portrayed in the Old Testament as a man of great faith. You are portrayed in the Old Testament as a man who had great faith. What happened? What have you done? Well, if you look at it, he neglected to go into battle, which was his responsibility. He let his eyes wander. He committed adultery and now murder. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But this is an example of how sin works. Sin is sneaky and has a way of compounding itself. Before you realize it, you're deeper and deeper and deeper involved than you ever thought it was possible. You're there. And that's why when temptation comes calling, we must be vigilant. We must be diligent. Once we allow sin to take hold of us, we've lost control. Once sin takes hold of us, we once again become a slave to sin. And we do whatever is called to do. Whatever sin tells us to do, that we do. Sin can capture you. Sin can ensnare you. Sin can place you in bondage. And ultimately, sin can destroy you. One commentator said this, quote, David once killed giants, and now a giant is killing him, unquote. That giant is sin. That giant is sin. David tells Joab, this bothers me. This really bothers me because I just told you how great a man I thought Uriah was, how noble he thought he was. Basically, when you read through here, when David says to Joab, you win some, you lose some. That's the price of war. 
David, how callous. How callous can you possibly be? David thought the cover-up worked. David thought the cover-up worked. He, it worked. Uriah's dead. He marries Bathsheba. She has a child. David forgot one thing. David forgot one thing. And if you look at the end of 27, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Don't need to say much else, do we? The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David thought everything would go okay. David thought, you know what? Everything's going to plan. This is cool. I'm going to have a wedding now. I'm going to marry my babe, and we're going to be cool. She's going to have a child. This is going to be great. But he had done displeased the Lord. When David realized that, did he go, oops. This is Satan's plan. This is Satan's pure plan for us. He wants to suck you in. He wants to entice you. And then he wants to make sure that your sin surfaces and exposes to humiliate and condemn you. Satan has a plan for each of us. The thing that David did displeased the Lord. And what's interesting is this is the first mention of God in the whole chapter. God witnessed everything. God saw the whole thing displayed. He read the intent of every single heart, but it was displeasure only implied until the specific statement. He let it all play out. God knew what was going to happen. God knows what's in your heart. He let it play out before him. David was in a terrible place where there had too much sin in him to be happy with God and too much God in him to be happy in his sin. David was a man after God's heart. But God's grace will draw him. God's grace will draw him again. God's grace will once again be the determining factor in David's life. The Bible says that when man is tempted, he shouldn't say he is tempted by God. God doesn't tempt you. God may allow temptation to come into your life, but he does not tempt you. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And the lust, and when it's finished, it brings forth sin. Temptation begins with the mind. Temptation starts up here, the desire. What do I do with it? I don't know if I ever told you the story. I'm going to tell you it anyhow, even if I told you before. I don't care. Walked, I used to walk on the Ocean City boardwalk. I used to love to walk on the Ocean City when I lived in Ocean City for some years. I lived real close to the boardwalk, and I walked there constantly. I used to walk up and down. Well, summertime was coming. It was kind of like now, where it was early June, and summertime was coming, and I was walking the boardwalk, and I'm walking, and I got praise music playing in my ears. I got praise music playing, and I'm walking, having a great time. So I get to my destination, I turn around and start walking about, and I take my earplugs out, and I'm walking. And at one of these arcades, there's this great big guy standing there like this, great big guy in, in plastic, and his name is Punch Belly. And he has a thing on his belly like this, and you stand back, and you punch him, and you know, it, it measures. Well, Punch Belly speaks. Now, I don't know what Punch Belly was programmed to say. I don't know if there was someone in the store with a microphone. I don't know, and I don't care. I'm trucking down the boardwalk. It's June, and here come two scantily clad ladies coming this way. And I go, and Punch Belly is, what are you looking at? I'm, whoa. <laughs> you never saw anybody walk so fast in your entire life. I, to this day, I've never heard Punch Belly speak again. Whew. Man, did I move. Man, did I move. When you are tempted, it is not by God. 
But when you are tempted, God gives you an out. He gives you an out. He'll have Punch Belly yell, what are you looking at? That was my out. I could have ignored Punch Belly and just kind of drooled as these ladies walked by. But God has also given us the greatest protection of all. This goes for men and women. The greatest protection of all. We have a shield about our eyes. They're called our eyelids. Look up in the dictionary what the eyelids are for. They're for protection. Now, they protect the eye, and the eyelashes help get stuff out of the eye, but protection. God designed them. We have a protective thing on our eye. When temptation comes our way, the first thing we should do is close our eyes, not ogle and drool at it. But what's interesting is there's no temptation comes that's not common to man. And this is said a long time ago. So even those guys are fighting with temptation. There, there's temptation everywhere. It's everywhere we look. We've talked about this before. It doesn't have to be on the boardwalk. It doesn't have to be on the beach. It could be on your own living room watching TV. Temptation comes. It could be in your own computer. I can't tell you how many pop-ups I get on my computer as I'm doing work, as I'm writing sermons, as I'm praying, as I'm looking up things, I'm taking a pop-up will come. My gosh, you have to get rid of it. You just get out of there. It's crazy. It is so easy for man to fall. And you know, ladies, you're not exempt either. It's so easy for us to fall. It's so easy. We have to be ever vigilant. We have to be ever diligent. We have to wear the armor of God. We have to resist the devil and he will flee. We have, we have the greatest, greatest, wonderful Lord God ever, ever, ever on our side. But yet he allows temptation and temptation can build our faith. God reminds us that temptation is not unique. It's co common to man. But God is always faithful in the midst of temptation. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your limits, it says. He will provide you a way to escape. Will you take it? Will you see the way to escape and will you take it? God is not going to force you to walk away from temptation. He will not force you to walk away. He will not force you to be good, but he always gives you an escape route. God always provides a way. If you fall into temptation, it isn't because you heard the voice of God. You cannot come to anyone and go, God made me sin. That's wrong. That is totally wrong. You really can't blame it on the devil either. You can't say the devil made me do it. No, that's wrong too. The devil can't be everywhere. He's not everywhere. He has a bunch of henchmen who do his dirty work, but he is not everywhere. If you didn't take the way he provided, you have to testify in your own life that temptation can fall. God's way of saying, get out, leave. David didn't do that. How many times did we read from 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel where David was strengthened himself in the Lord? How many times did we read that when David strengthened himself in the Lord? Remember, in verse 27, there's 27 verses in that uh, chapter. The Lord is mentioned once at the very end. The thing that David did displeased the Lord. Nowhere does it say that David inquired of the Lord. Lord, should I take this woman? What should I do? No, he never inquired of the Lord. The Lord, he never even tried to inquire of the Lord. Never, never, never. We have to be ever so mindful that we can be tempted at any minute. Take heed, Christian. Take heed if you think you stand, lest you fall. We all need to be reminded that 
Stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put the full armor of God on. Make sure we're armed up. Make sure we have everything that we need, that we can move out and we can resist temptation. You have Christ Jesus living in you. Greater is He living in you than He's living in the world. You have the creator of the universe who is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? You have everything going your way. There is no need to sin. There's no need because now you have a choice. Before we were saved, we didn't have a choice. It was our nature, it was our sin nature, and we did it. Now you have a choice. You have a choice. Let's not be David. Let's not be David. Let's look for the way out. Let's look. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When temptation comes along, when Satan comes along, resist the devil and he flees. He goes away. Resist temptation. Start singing hymns. Start listening to music, uh, praise music. Start reading your Bible. Do something to get out of the temptation. Turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. Whatever. Whatever it is. Where the temptation's coming from. If you cannot walk on the boardwalk during the summer or go to the beach during the summer, don't go. If it's going to cause you to sin, don't go. Don't go. But if you go, know that the Lord has your back. And you know that Punch Belly's waiting for you just around the corner. And he's going to tell you, ask you what you're looking at. He's going to ask you what you're looking at. And that'll be God saying, hey, get your eyes back. Put your eyes back in your head. Now, it's okay to look and smile and walk on, but not okay to look and bump into somebody as you're walking backwards looking at the person. Don't let sin have a foothold in our lives. And I, you know, I make it light of it, but it's not a light subject. I'm, I'm, it's not a light subject. It's a pretty dark subject. As I said at the beginning, this is going to be a dark time for David. And when we get into the rest, and we get into the rest of the um, scriptures, you're going to see just how much David pays for this time. Number one, the child is going to die. That's the first thing. Number two, David's daughter is going to be raped by her brother, David's son. David's son, Absalom, is going to kill his brother for raping his sister. And then Absalom is going to come after David and try to take a throne away from him. And then Absalom is going to go into David's house and sleep with as many concubines as he can, which completely humiliates David. And David's going to go on the run again. Sin has a cost. Sin has a cost. And when we run blindly into it, it has a cost, ladies and gentlemen. And none of us is above temptation. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. But if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And at that point, if we would turn and come to him and repent, Lord, I'm sorry, I did it, I confess to you, please forgive me, I want to repent and I want to walk with you, and you're forgiven. But it's up to you, it's up to us to do that. If you're really struggling, come to a brother or sister and have them pray for you. Be accountable to someone. Help have someone be accountable to you. Have someone that you can talk to. I'm really having a hard time right now. I need some help. That's what we do, we help each other. That's what we do. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.